What's going on, guys? It's the Dirt Bike Channel Podcast. I'm your host, Kyle Brotherson. And today we're going to be talking about racing. Now, I know, I know what you're th- I know what you're thinking. You're like, Kyle, why are you going to be talking about racing? Because you don't even race. Like, you haven't entered a single race on your dirt bike. And I say, hey, you're not wrong. But guess what? I'm going to bring on one of my good friends, uh, Dustin Ferguson. Actually, Dustin was my assistant for about a year. He was handling a bunch of emails for me and doing a bunch of different things for me as far as website stuff and emails and all the different things we were doing. Um, uh, Dustin's a really good guy. He's actually been right. He's younger than I am, uh, but he's been riding dirt bikes longer than me. As you're going to find out in this podcast, he started riding uh, bikes as a young tyke. And so he's got like twice, two or three times the amount of experience, of, or at least the amount of years riding dirt bikes as I do. And uh, one thing that we definitely share in common is just a passion for the sport. Uh, love the sport. We love the uh, different things that his, it has brought to us as far as mental fortitude and physical challenges and just helping us to know that we can do hard things. It's something that we talk about on the podcast often, um, for sure, which everybody knows. Well, not everybody knows. If you've been listening for a while, you know that. So before I get into that and uh, start a conversation with um, with Dustin, I just want to say, hey, if you want to support this podcast or support the YouTube channel, one of the best ways you can do it is using my links to Rocky Mountain ATV. You can find those links on my website at dirtbikechannel.com. You can go there and it says shop Rocky Mountain ATV. You just click on that and then that uh, puts a cookie in your browser and then you go to Rocky Mountain ATV, you buy anything they sell. And it helps to support Dirt Bike Channel. Uh, you can also find them in the YouTube, uh, in the descriptions of the YouTube videos and in the show notes for this podcast. So use my links to Rocky Mountain ATV. They are the best. If you can't beat them, join them. And that's what I've done. So I buy all my dirt bike related stuff or basically everything I can from those guys because they're so amazing. So use that link for Rocky Mountain ATV. And uh, that would help to support the podcast and the YouTube channel. So now let's uh, go to the conversation here with Dustin. Well, Dustin, thanks for coming on. It's been a minute since we've been able to chat. We used to get to chat weekly, but now, now we don't we don't get to chat as much. So, how you been hanging in? Doing well, doing well. Yeah, it's absolutely good to um, to chat again, and um, looking forward to to hanging out today. Yeah, well, and I I follow your social media too, and you've got you've in in addition to racing and riding and racing dirt bikes, which is a huge thing for you. You also have been doing some mountain biking too, right? Talk about that a little bit. Yeah, yeah. Everything on two wheels is my passion. So a um, little bit of mountain biking and dirt biking. I recently started kind of a new Instagram account, which, um, you know, is really just a place for me to have some fun with it and post some videos. But yeah, Southwest Single Track um, is is my, my new brand, I guess, for lack of a better term, but um, but yeah, it's a lot of fun. I just really like love exploring the Southwest and I live in Albuquerque. So that's kind of my passion is to just, you know, uh, ride and enjoy the local trails and all that, you know, New Mexico and the rest of the Southwest has to offer, whether that's on a dirt bike or a mountain bike. So yeah, I, I love it all. When did you get into dirt bikes? Like approximately what age for the viewers oh, or listeners here? Yeah. So. I got my first dirt bike when I was four years old. Um, so I had a, you know, the, the classic PW 50, um, that, uh, had training wheels on it. My dad is a farmer, so he had, um, you know, I don't think you could just like order something from, uh, you know, Rocky mountain ATV, like you can in the night, like you could in the nineties, you know? So I think my dad like just built some 
some training wheels for it and threw me on that PW50 and I just fell in love with dirt bikes ever since then. So I've been on two wheels for a long, long time. That probably explains why you're such a better rider than me. Cause you've been, even though you're younger than me, you've been at this for longer. I always have to give myself grace because I'm like, well, I'm 41, but I really only got a dirt bike when I turned 30. So it's been 11 years. And then the first couple of years I was hardly riding at all. So I feel like I'm nine years in. You're more like what? 20, 25, 20, 25 years in. Is that about what? Yeah. You're in? Yeah. I'm 32 years old. So, um, so yeah. About yeah. 28 years, I guess, if you years. do the math. You're, you're three times as far into this as I am. <laughs> <laughs> it's it, the, One of the things I love about this sport, though, and we've and I, you and I have talked about this on our many, as I probably mentioned in the intro, um, Dustin was my assistant for about a year, and so we got to work together you know, pretty closely, and uh, we would do weekly calls and things. And one of the things that we would talk about, I think I've talked about with you, and I've certainly shared on the podcast, and... YouTube videos is one of the great things about this sport is that you can have fun at any age and it isn't just a young person's sport. It's obviously, a, you know, it helps to start younger uh, to get some of these basic skills down, but you can also enjoy this in midlife and in later life. And even if you start out as a 50 year old rider or even a 60 year old, 60 year old rider, there's still a ton of stuff that you can have fun with. And you can have fun at any speed. And I think we're going to get into that a little bit here. Even even with talking about racing, kind of like the over overlying tone of this podcast, um, it doesn't necessarily mean that you have to be going ninety miles an hour with your hair on fire and you know ending ending up in the hospital. There's so much fun that you can have in in this sport, and it's it's just a great thing. So we see people that got in when they were young, like you at four. We see people that got into the sport in their thirties and forties and fifties. And it's still a really valuable, valuable experience for everybody, you know? Yeah, absolutely. And to that point, I still ride with my dad. Um, you know, he's in his sixties and we still have a ton of fun together and he still races enduros. So, um, he, he thinks that and his, his theory is that, um, riding keeps you young. Um, you know, even with like the, the little bumps and bruises and injuries you get along the way, he thinks that it actually does it has the opposite effect that it keeps them young so so yeah absolutely you can have fun at any age and enter the, the sport at any age too so i totally agree yeah i feel like if you're staying active that's a big part of just staying young i was just talking to my dad about this yesterday we were shrink wrapping my boat and stuff and uh he's he's 68 and but he's he's very active he's always moving around and and um keeping his mind going and i think that's a big thing uh, it's one of the the great things about the sport is you know as things are coming at you on a on a motorcycle, especially on you know two wheels, whether you're on you know a, a street bike or a dirt bike, mountain bikes, things are coming at you so fast and you're making so many decisions that it just kind of forces your mind to stay sharp. And then obviously you're it's uh, physically demanding, so it's keeping your body sharp. And yeah. also, so much of this I think is mindset. And if you if you get into this situation where you turn, I don't know, 30, 40, 50, and you're thinking, oh, I can't do this, you know, and I, I, uh, I used to be able to do this when I was younger. I think that's kind of like infectious. It gets into your psyche where you start to think like, I can't do it. I can't do it. But just like your dad was saying is if you, if you stay doing this, it keeps you young. And I think so much of that is a mental thing and it spills over into the physical side. So, um, yep. I think it's important for us to just give ourselves grace to know, Hey, as we get, as we age, we, we're not going to recover as fast, but that still doesn't mean that we can't enjoy our lives and do these outdoor activities and our bodies are still, 
you know, in, in a lot of cases, our bodies are still in good shape and we have the power to keep them in the good, sh- in, in good shape. For sure. Yeah, no, it's, it's, it's all like, there's so much of this is mental. Um, it's about like, you know, just brain fortitude and, you know, mental sharpness. And I think that it has a lot to do with, um, yeah, like you said, your mindset and, uh, especially in racing too. And I know, I know we'll get there, but you know, we'll talk about it, but most of racing is mental, which, um, which is part of the reason I love it. Yeah. So what, uh, I know we're going to talk about some of these different, uh, disciplines and things that are out there in, in off-road dirt bikes. Um, but what, what was it that kind of got you into racing? When did you start that? And, uh, what was the, um, what was the impetus or the, or the motivation? Yeah. So, um, so like I said, I started riding when I was four, I grew up on the farm, so we had, you know, plenty of room to just ride around the house and things like that. We actually, my uncle and my dad built a motocross track, um, on some land that, um, that they owned close to our house. So I grew up riding some of that, some moto and never raced motocross, but, um, you know, I loved it all. And then we just around Texas started finding spots to, you know, different private landowners who would let us ride on, on their land where they had, you know, trails and things like that. So started getting into that. Um, as I got a little bit older, I was on an XR 100 and, uh, you know, was a great bike for that time and for how old I was in my skill level. Um, and decided that, you know what, like, I really want to start racing these Enduros because, um, my mom was, vehement vehemently opposed to us riding motocross so <laughs> my dad actually rode motocross growing up since he was you know in his 20s and uh when he had a son was like all right i'm gonna start riding moto with with my son and my mom was put a put a stop to that um which i'm thankful for in a lot of ways because um you know probably kept my injuries to, to a minimum but um so i think i was 10 years old when i did my first um enduro and I was terrible at it. I, I, I was so scared. I had no idea what I was doing. I was on an XR 100, probably wasn't the best bike, um, for that. But, uh, yeah, my first, um, Enduro was the Lone Star Enduro in post Texas. So we grew up, you know, in West Texas, that was kind of the local like Enduro series that I still ride, um, to this day. So, um, yeah, I have a crazy story about that too. I don't know if we, we want to get into it now or later, but let's, my let's first jump, Enduro was, let's jump into it now. So you're 10 years <laughs> old on an XR 100. What happened? So I was on the very last row. So the way the Enduros work is, you know, your row one through whatever, however, however many riders there are usually four riders per row and they, they leave every minute. So I'm on the very last row, which I and they do they do that for spacing f- for dust or what's the main reason why they they have four people leave every minute? What's what's the what's the idea? There? Yeah. So yeah, just to give riders space um, and time to kind of you know create um, a gap um, between you know maybe a faster rider or a slower rider um, on the trail, so that you're not all like you know funneled and also um, you know uh, avoid like bottlenecks. Um, so, so yeah, that's kind of the main idea is you leave every minute. Um, it also is a timing thing too, because you're timed based on the minute, um, that you leave. Um, so, 
so yeah so i'm on the very last row and um behind you are what you call sweep riders so these are guys who you know work for the club that organizes the race usually and um they kind of come behind the last rider and uh just make sure everybody's you know safe make sure nobody's injured and left on the trail or lost things like that um so i'm i'm the slowest rider on the last row and um i'm just kind of you know trying to follow along on the sector 100 it's really like sandy ground too so um this bike does not do well in the deep sand yeah and i'm just i'm squirrely i'm like all over the place and um i crash at one point into a cactus oh man um and i got a, a cactus thorn in my my forearm went super deep and broke off in my arm oh. so um yeah later on i had to get it removed um like surgically removed um but (laughs) so i'm already hurting and i'm already slow and scared and i have no idea what i'm doing and the sweep rider goes around so like now there's nobody behind me to like make sure i'm okay Uh and i get lost onto the a trail so another thing about enduros is they're they're usually split up um by classes like double a or this is how they do it in texas double a um, a, B and C riders. Um, so I was obviously like a C rider and, um, which is like a shorter course. And usually you'll ride a little bit of the same trail as the A and B riders, but then they'll split off. So A and B will split off onto like a, a harder section of trail. And I got off on the, the, the A and B section. And, um, I was scared out of my mind. I just remember like crying um you know looking up like steep climbs not knowing how i was going to get up and just praying like i have no god help me through this i have no idea how i'm going to make it and um somehow like that little xr100 made it through the this a section of trail um and, and i finally get to a checkpoint and there's some riders there um or some guys working the the um, the checkpoint and they're like, you have got to be lost. How did you even get here? <laughs> and, uh, and they pointed me back to camp, but, um, but yeah, that was my first enduro. So not, not exactly getting off on the right foot. <laughs> I hear, I hear stories like this all the time where people are out in these races, desert races or enduro races. And they're just saying like, please God help me through this. <laughs> <laughs> And I'm like, and it, it's usually, usually what it is is people are like, oh, Kyle, you need to race. Let me share this story with you. This one time I was out there and it was the worst experience of my whole life, but you need to go do it. <laughs> yeah. There is sort of a, uh, yeah, it's, it's you, some, there's some sort of like pleasure in the punishment for some reason. I don't know why, but you get, it's that feeling when you get done with the race that you're like, that was hard. And I, I did it, you know, um, and there's some sort of satisfaction in, in that feeling. Yeah, no, I get it. I get it. I it's it's a it's something I've heard from a lot of different people, and so it definitely is a thing. I, I as many of the listeners know, I haven't yet done a race. I keep thinking, you know, one of these times I'm going to do it. I'm going to enter a race. I've I've taken a lot of heat over the years for not racing, um, and it, and that's the more I get pushed to do something, the more I kind of like put the brakes on. I'm like, no, I'm not going to do it just because other people want me to, but. 
I hear yeah. a lot, like there's so many people that I've, I value in my life that have done a lot of these races and have, it's hard. Like that's a big yeah. thing is people talk about how hard it is a lot of times mentally and physically, but then at the end of the day, they, you know, they feel a, a big sense of accomplishment. And uh, that's something I can totally respect is this sense of accomplishment where you know that you, you did something hard and it's something that I'm constantly talking to my audience about and talking to my kids about and even telling myself as I can do hard things, you know? And so yeah. that's, de that's it, definitely a big part of this, I think. Definitely. No, absolutely. And there's, I think there's good reasons to race and good reasons not to race. And uh, we've, we've talked about this many times before. It's why I wanted to, to you know, talk to you about racing because, um, because I, I knew your stance on it, but, um, you know, for me, it's all about like putting a smile on your face when you're on two wheels. So whatever that is for you, whether it's racing or not, or, um, you know, just riding the trails and having fun, like, um, yeah, whatever, whatever's going to put a smile on your face, keep doing that. Yeah. And it gives you, it also gives you a reason, <clears throat> something to look forward to and also maybe something to train for. You know, mm -hmm. and I think a lot of people need that thing where it's like, I'm going to go out and do these rides because I'm prepping for this thing. You know, people do it in, say, like other disciplines. Maybe you're a, a triathlete or something or, you, or you're, you're training for you want to do a half marathon or something like this or, or a, an Ironman or something. And so you will go, you sign up for this event in the future and you're on the hook for it and you've told people about yeah. it and you're accountable to it. And now you got to go do put in the prep work. And I think that's a big way that people motivate themselves. And so that's another reason why maybe getting involved with one of these uh, racing series or planning, you know, your first race or, or a race throughout the year, that might be a good reason to do it is it keeps you motivated and gives you something to look forward to and to be preparing for. Is that something that you've found in your, in your riding career? Yeah, it definitely has been, especially like as I've, you know, um, gotten married and had little kids, like it's, it's harder and harder to get out to a race. Um, just, you know, life commitments and time and things like that. But, um, it does like when I, when I put it on the calendar and I talk to my wife about it and plan it out with, you know, my dad or whoever I'm racing with pay for it. Um, you know, it's, it's definitely, um, uh, an enticing goal and something that like keeps me on the bike and makes me want to ride my mountain bike makes me want to stay in shape. Um, so that's, you know, I don't get crushed during, during the race. And yeah, it's like, like you said, it's built in accountability, or I guess not built in, you really have to choose it. But, um, but yeah, it's accountability and it's, it's a goal. And I think that's, you know, especially, um, especially like people who get into dirt bikes, I think you're, you're probably uh, a motivated and ambitious person, even just to get in through the sport. Um, and so if you're anything like me in that way, like it helps to have a goal or something to work, work towards. So, so yeah, definitely another good reason to race. Yeah. A goal to work towards. I like that. Maybe we can spend just a second here talking about some of the different racing disciplines that are within off-road motorcycles. I mean, I know a lot of people are maybe familiar with what they've seen on TV, like motocross or supercross in these big stadiums and things. And maybe even people mm -hmm. have heard of like enduro cross or arena cross. Can we just kind of touch briefly on what some of these different uh, genres are, or these different disciplines are for a second and, and maybe how, just how they're different and, and which ones are your favorites to, to race? Yeah, for sure. So yeah, like you said, you know, the ones on TV, motocross, supercross, um, even like you said, enduro cross, which is kind of bringing, kind of bringing like an enduro to, um, 
to cities so people can kind of get that exposure. But um, really the kind of writing that I've, I've done and focused on and enjoyed is kind that you don't see on TV. So, um, you know, there's Enduros, um, Hard Enduros, Hair Scrambles, Grand Prix, Desert Racing. Um, so, you know, like I, I've, I've mentioned, I've mainly focused on Enduros. Um, and then Hard Enduros have kind of come to the U.S. Um, I think they started in Europe, but those, you know, have become more and more popular here recently. Um, there's even another form of Enduros called Sprint Enduros, which is pretty similar to what I ride, but a little bit different format. Um, hair scrambles are, you know, uh, kind of, I don't know, a mix between a desert race and an Enduro where you are, um, you know, riding for usually a certain amount of time, like an hour, hour and a half, two hours, and you're riding the same loop. Um, and then um, Grand Prix, I don't see these as much anymore. These were um, more popular, I think, when I was a kid and we would ride some Grand Prix. Um, these are kind of like a, a mix between motocross and an enduro. Um, so it's you're like you're riding a track, but it's, you know, there's maybe one or two jumps. And then the rest of it's kind of like either technical or flat corners and things like that. Um, and then the desert racing, there's lots of different dis disciplines of desert racing. I know that Utah has a series, um, the USRA series. Um, but then obviously there's some more popular ones like, you know, Dakar and Baja and stuff like that, that are a little bit different, but, um, probably the more popularized version of desert racing. But, but yeah, those are kind of, um, what I have seen an off-road scene. And then, um, I've mainly focused on Enduros in my my time yeah seems like well not seems like all of the money in off-road dirt bikes um is in motocross and supercross um and and in fact they've actually just announced here in the last few weeks kind of a merging between the outdoor uh like at the top level you have motocross that's the outdoor side and then you have supercross which is the indoor side when we say indoors they they race in stadiums like uh, Angel Stadium in Anaheim, mm -hmm. and you know the Cowboys Stadium down in Dallas or you know Arlington or whatever. They're yeah. they're actually merging those two together, making it making the relationship a little bit more formal between the outdoor series of motocross and the indoor series of supercross into like a I can't remember what they're calling it like super motocross or something like that. Anyway, yeah. that's where all the money is. That's where all the sponsorship is, and then you step down like many many steps down into these these other disciplines, which we're going to talk about today. Uh, of enduro riding, hard enduro riding. There, there's getting to be a little bit more money in hard enduro. Um, mm -hmm. You see people like Andreas Lettenbickler, I mean, uh, Manny, Manuel Lettenbickler, and and obviously we've had Graham Jarvis in the past. Um, he still rides a little bit, um, but mm -hmm. maybe kind of semi-retired. And Johnny Walker and some of these different people, um, there's, some, there's definitely some money there. But that's yeah. mostly international. We have some hard enduro stuff happening here. You have people like Cody Webb and uh, uh, Colton Haker, um, mm -hmm. different guys. And then we've have we have our enduro cross, which is a lot of local local people. And these are kind of mixes between motocross and enduros. What is the difference between like an enduro and hard enduro? What do you think makes an enduro race or an enduro, an enduro ride? I mean, I know that guys like you and I are riding enduro bikes, but can we can we put a fine point or a even define what an enduro bike is versus a motocross bike? What is the difference? Do you think? Yeah. So the difference I think between hard enduro 
and an enduro is that enduros are more um if you were to compare it to something i guess like more like a marathon um where it's it's long distance and you're you're never riding the same thing twice um so they can be you know between i don't know 50 and 100 miles um that you're riding in a day um and varying terrain so there's sometimes they're they're more desert you know more deserty trails sometimes they're more technical sometimes they're rockier sometimes they're in the mountains but sometimes they're more in creek beds and things like that so um the enduros are, are you know you get exposed to a lot in one day because you're riding so many miles um and it's all about you know um speed and different sections of the trail you're not always riding fast the whole time um but there's there's special tests or test sections um across you know those 100 miles or however long you're riding where you're timed and that's how you're scored um a hard enduro is basically taking the hardest sections of technical trail from an enduro um and that's that's basically the whole race um so they're meant to be um you know shorter in mileage but probably harder in difficulty level um because you're you know you're riding um rocky steep ledges and climbing um you know probably changing a lot more elevation than you would in just an in, in enduro um and so they're meant to be more challenging um from that standpoint and just the technical aspect of it like you see on tv like you know the the Erzberg enduro um that's a hard enduro where they have just like these they have they have sections here and there where they're just you know riding through the woods more like single trail the single track trail that you and i would ride um but then there's like these impossible sections that um that you know really test and challenge your skill and they're timed on those so um so it's less about speed and more about like technique um and things like that so um so that i think is the difference between the races but you also asked about the bike what what did you kind of want to touch on with, with the bike yeah i mean what do you think makes an enduro bike because most of most of what is out there are the motocross bikes if you walk into most of the showrooms you're going to see you know it, the major you know japanese brands you've got honda kawasaki yamaha and then even Suzuki is still kind of, is still kind of there. You go into those places, you're mostly going to see motocross bikes, um, and, or supercross bike, really motocross bikes is what they're set up for, uh, right off the showroom floor. And then if you go to other dealers, you might see some KTMs, Husqvarna's, uh, Sherco, Gas Gas, Beta. Those are, well, they, they offer more of these enduro style bikes. And what would you say makes the difference between motocross, a motocross bike and an enduro bike? Cause I have my, I have my, thoughts about what makes them different, but I just wanted to know if you had a thought yeah. about what makes, what makes a motocross bike versus what makes an enduro bike. Yeah. I, I definitely want to hear your thoughts on it too. Um, but just off the top of my head, I think gearing is probably like, like the biggest thing, um, where it's more wide ratio gearing when it comes to an enduro bike. Um, usually, you know, they're going to have six speeds, um, an 18 inch rear rear wheel, um is pretty standard on all enduro bikes they might come with like hand guards or a skid plate if you're getting like a ktm or husky something like that um and 
other like minor things here and there, but I think the main thing is, is probably the gearing that separates an enduro bike from a motocross bike. Um, oh, and then suspension. Yeah. I think suspension is, is usually set up, um, from the factory to be softer, um, more plush to handle, you know, rocks and roots and rough trail rather than, uh, handle big hits from, you know, a triple or something like that from a motocross bike. So those would, those would be the differentiators. I don't know if I, you want to add any, or if you think there's anything else. I would say yes. And because I think you're right. I would first go with suspension. I, I think I would just flip flop it. In my opinion, I think suspension is a big thing because if you're going to do any of these enduros or hard enduros, you've got to have suspension that's softer, that can absorb more of this stuff because in these different types of disciplines, we're going to hit hard edges and we're going to hit things at slower speeds, but we can't, we don't want to bounce off of them in motocross or supercross. A lot of suspension is very, very stiff uh, because Mm -hmm. they know you're going to be in third gear, fourth gear, possibly even fifth gear hitting some of these big things. And you're going to need a lot of hold up on the bike because there's going to be so much energy transmitted you know, through the, you know, the tires and up through the suspension into the frame of the motor uh, or the frame of the bike. In enduro, we're typically going slower. We're uh, most of the time in enduro riding, we're third gear and under. Obviously, in desert racing, it can be fast. <clears throat> and and that's where, you know, if you were just going to take a motocross bike straight off the showroom floor, maybe your best discipline to go race would be desert racing. Um, because typically speaking, your speeds are going to be a a little bit higher, but then you're going to run into sections where it's maybe more technical and you're going to be bouncing all over the place. So suspension, I would say is softer on an, on an enduro bike. Um, the next thing gearing, yes, a lot of times in a motocross bike, you're going to have a close ratio five speed gearbox and you're going to be shifting a lot if you're out doing Mm -hmm. these enduros. Um, and obviously sometimes on a motocross bike, your first gear is going to be really high. It's going to feel like you're, it's too high. Uh, yeah. for a lot of the stuff that you're going to encounter in an enduro or a hard enduro situation. And why is that a problem? Well, it's a problem because you may, you may stall the bike. And that brings me to my third point and the final one, which is it's hard for me to really say that it is an enduro or slash hard enduro bike unless they give it in a two-stroke offering. Um, yeah. And this is where Honda, Yamaha, Kawasaki, um, and Suzuki, I don't, I don't believe they make a hard enduro bike. And the reason why is because they're all four strokes in the motocross world, uh, that genre of racing, they went to four strokes kind of in the early, early two thousands late. They kind of started to migrate away from it in the late 1990, 1990s. And then by the mid 2000, you know, 2010s or whatever, or the mid two thousands, that 2004 to 2008, everything Mm -hmm. started to shift to four strokes in motocross. And that is a problem in off, road racing because those bikes tend to stall so much more easily than a two-stroke i know it's counterintuitive for a lot of people out there Um, but if you have a two-stroke the rpms can be lower and the bike can stay running um, much much more easily and so you're not going to stall it and so if you look at the these top races um, or these hard enduro races like the airsberg that you mentioned and uh, some of these like really really hard races that happen in the in the, these circuits, the people who are winning mm-hmm. those are on two strokes. Now, yeah. obviously in enduro cross, it's a little bit different. The only, t- the only place where P- it's basic, your podium is filled with two strokes is in hard enduro, uh, where it's yeah. really, really technical stuff. So I would say if we're going to talk about enduro stuff where we're, we're the weekend warriors, um, I like two strokes and four strokes, but I feel like if I have a four stroke bike, I feel a, it's more of a desert bike. 
Um, if I have a two stroke bike, I feel like it's more of an enduro bike that I can go slower and hit harder stuff with. And it's mainly yeah. because the bike isn't going to stall on me. Um, and that isn't to say that you can't do hard enduro stuff on a four stroke. I'm not saying that. Um, cause there's going to be those people out there that just take issue with that and say, no, I use my, you know, my YZ 450 FX and I can do anything you can do. And I'm like, okay, yeah, mm-hmm. you may can, but it's, yeah, it's a little bit different tool for the job. So, but yeah, I think that's a good, that's a good overview of these different styles of racing. And then, so why do you, what, what draws you to the Enduros? Why do you race Enduro? Um, I know we touched on it a little bit, but maybe we can just dive into that a little bit more of what, what your main motivation for racing Enduros is and why you do it. Yeah. Yeah, no. So I think, um, what, what I love about Enduros the most is that, um, I mean, it's in the name, like it's, it's a lot about endurance, um, rather than speed, um, which also gets into kind of the, the mental side of things where, um, you know, you're, so you have to fill up with gas, like usually about 30 to 40 miles in, um, you know, you're not running on empty at that point, but to finish the race, you have to fill up. Um, and so, you know, you get, usually like when I get to a gas stop, I'm like, all right, I kind of do like a check-in. <laughs> I want to keep going. Um, have you ever stopped? Race. Have you ever stopped at one of these check-in points and be like, I'm done for the day? Um, I personally have not stopped. No, but I've thought about it a lot. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I actually did, uh, did an enduro here recently. Um, it's the, the shady burrow enduro in, in, um, South Fork, Colorado. It's, um, you know, I, I don't know how well known it is, but you know, the people who ride it will kind of, they've coined it like the hardest non hard enduro, like the hardest, just regular enduro, um, in the U S and I, I mean, I don't know how you could actually, you know, make that claim um, if you haven't like ridden every enduro in the U.S. But it was definitely difficult. That was one where I was thinking about quitting every time I got to a checkpoint. <laughs> um, it was uh, part of it was the conditions. Like it had just rained, you know, a ton of the weeks leading up to it. So all the rivers and creeks and streams were flowing. Um, so we crossed water, we probably crossed like five or six major water crossings. Wow. Um, but we probably crossed some sort of water, I don't know, 50, 60 times. So me riding in the Southwest, like in the desert in Texas and New Mexico, I wasn't used to crossing water that much. So it was, uh, yeah, it, it was, it was definitely difficult. I, um, also crashed in the second test, um, and and hurt my back pretty good so that was another reason why i was like i don't know if i want to keep writing this but um but yeah so um so i think for me like it's it's that like the just it it forces you to you know to have some sort of resilience on the bike um where you can get that like just going on a trail ride you know where you're like man this is tough like i want to do this many miles i want to um, you know, finish this section or ride this section faster than I did last time. There's those like, um, you know, personal goals that you can set, but there's something about a race that, you know, that forces your hand into just, um, 
yeah, endurance and stamina on the bike. And, and I, I really love that. Um, so I also like one, one other thing, and this is, you know, talking about shady burrow. Um, another thing that I love about it too, is like you get exposed to so many different types of trails and terrain that you may not normally get to see. Um, because, you know, especially in Texas, the Texas series where, you know, most everything in Texas is private land. So it's, hard to find unless you like know someone or you're a part of a club or you pay to you know lease out this land or or whatever um it's not like utah where there's a lot of um you know blm land where you can go ride um so that's what i also love about you know um those races too is like you get exposed to so many and in in those you know 50 to 90 miles like you're riding sand whoops you're riding creek beds you're riding rocky you know, technical uphills, you're, um, you're on, you know, fast straightaway sections. There's so much like in that can be packed into that, that, that I love. And it's, you never know what it's going to be. Um, you know, you don't get like a track preview. There's no way you could like, you know, go, uh, you know, do a track walk because it's, it's way too long. So, um, I like the unpredictability of it and, and just like, um, that, that, in itself brings a challenge that that's fun to me. Well, I think you hit something, you hit the nail on the head in one of the, one of the things you said, which is for many people getting involved with some sort of a race, um, series, it's pretty much the only way you're going to ride your motorcycle because in mm-hmm. so in huge swaths of this country, there are, there's basically no public land. It's all private. You would think that in a place like Texas, you know, you would be able to ride a lot of places. And I'm sure there are. Texas is a major, major place. But if you live in some of these areas, you might not have anything that is public land within four or five hours from you. You know, even this race that you're talking about um, that was up in South, you know, near South Fork, Colorado, I'm just, I'm just Googling this. This is a four and a half hour drive from you, you know, for you from being in yeah. Albuquerque. And, and so oftentimes we have to drive a lot. I get a lot of people that will email me and say, oh man, it's so, you know, you live in this great place where you have so many trails you can ride. What's it like to just be able to ride anywhere, anytime? And they forget that everywhere I'm riding is anywhere between an hour and four hours one way to drive to these yeah. places. You know, I technically can ride kind of right by my house uh, within just a couple of minutes, but most of the time I don't because I I don't want to ride there. I want to ride these other places and go to these and see some of this new stuff. And and so if mm-hmm. you get involved, you buy a dirt bike and you're on anywhere on the east coast of the country or in many 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 places in this in this nation, you're not going to be able to ride that unless you get involved with some of these series. And then because you yeah. pay for it, they get the permits. They work with private landowners and and they set up these courses. And I think that's amazing. It's something yeah. that. I didn't get into because where I live here in Utah, I was, you know, I grew up in Utah and I knew some of these places to go ride. And then as I started to build my skill level, you kind of build your repertoire of these different places you can go. And I haven't had to do that. I've been able to just, I haven't had to get involved with a racing series in order to ride. I can ride my heart's content, uh, tell my heart's content without having to get involved in one of these series. But I definitely know that if I lived in other areas of the country, I would hundred percent be racing because that mm-hmm. kind of dictates where and when you can ride. And just like you said, some of these courses, I hear about it all the time. Like people in my inbox today, I had a couple different people talking to me about these events that happen locally 
you know, one was in Virginia, one was in California that I had this morning in my inbox and the people are just ranting and raving about how amazing these events are and how much fun it is to go ride these areas. And a ton of that is just exposure, being able to see some of these areas, some of these areas. So I'm sure in the different races that you've done over the years, you've been exposed to different trail systems or just different pieces of land that you never mm-hmm. would have been able to race any other way. Am I right on that? Yeah, no, absolutely. And even that, that race Shady Burrow and South Fork, um, you know, the week leading up to the race, like they were still unsure if the forest service was going to approve it. Um, so like they sent an email out, I think to everybody who registered like on Monday and the race was on Saturday and Sunday, um, that they were like, all right, the race is on, you know? So it's like, it's getting harder and harder too to ride, um, you know, some of the best parts of the country, like California and Colorado, where, um, they're trying to lock down, um, you know, just access to, to motorized bikes like we ride. And, and I think there's, there's something to be said about like the organizers and the race promoters and, and those people who are working hard, um, to, you know, maintain access and keep, you know, those trails and those riding areas open for us. So, um, and I know there's, it's not just racing, there's other groups, um, that are doing the same thing. Like I know we, we've talked about, and, um, I think you've had on your podcast, blue ribbon coalition and, and people like that who are doing the same work. But, um, I think there's a lot to be said when, you know, a race is, is, I don't think they make a lot of money on Enduros, you know, um, because it's a lot of time and effort and money that they spend to put on those races. But I do think it's, um, it's definitely like, I appreciate the work that they're doing and I want to keep supporting those groups and clubs and organizers who are putting on those races and making sure that, you know, some of the best places to ride in our country are kept open for us. Yeah. Maybe this is a good uh, spot to kind of segue a little bit and have you kind of explain how these races are organized and maybe what some of the rules are. Um, because this, this is, I think a big interest, it's a big interest to me and maybe a lot of other people, they may not have been exposed to an, an enduro. So how's it set up? What are some of the rules and, and how does it get organized? Yeah. So first I want to say that I'm, I'm like, maybe not the least qualified person to talk about this, but I'm definitely not the most qualified. Person. Listen, listen on, on this call. You are the most qualified person to talk about <laughs> to talk about this. I'm the least qualified. You're the most qualified on this particular call, so just run with it. <laughs> okay, I guess that's all that matters. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, so enduros are are usually put on by, um, at least in my experience through you know the Southwest and in Texas, um, a racing club or organization. So um, you know, there's kind of these you know, racing clubs that you can be a part of. Um, they usually have like a, they're centered around like a place or a riding spot or a piece of land, um, that, uh, that, you know, they, they work and they keep, that's kind of like their riding area that, um, that is under their, you know, um, their care, I guess. Um, and they put on a race to, you know, to make money, to keep, the the that riding area open um so they will enlist like volunteers for for that race so the way it works in the texas series at least is that um you know like for example my dad is a member of um of a local racing organization 
they have a piece of land there that they put on a race. So if you're a member, you get to ride there all year around um, for a fee. I think it's pretty cheap, but um, you can ride there all year round because again, it's private land. Um, but then when it comes time for the race, all the members are expected to, you know, work the race. So, um, so that's kind of like super high level. I'm sure there's way more that goes into it than that, but, um, so they secure that land for the race. Um, and then, um, the, the actual enduro, like when I show up on race day, um, you know, you, you can sign up ahead of time, you get a number, um, you can either sign up at the beginning of the series, um, to get like a, an assigned number and that's the row that you're on. Um, so for example, I sign up at the beginning of the year to get row 31. So I make sure that I can ride with my dad on that row. Um, but if you're just like, like Kyle, if you just showed up to a race and you're like, Hey, I want to race. Um, they would just give you a random number and you would ride with, you know, other random guys on that row. So, um, usually it's a, either a one or two day event. Um, Enduros have it used to just be one, but it's getting, um, you know, more common to see that they're a two day event. So you ride on Saturday and Sunday, um, and they will, you know, they'll have a key time. So the key time is like the time that the first row leaves. Um, and then, like we said earlier, it's one minute per row every, um, every minute after that. And the way that it's, um, timed and scored, it used to be like you would tape, you would duct tape a card to your front fender. And every time you get to the checkpoint, the checkpoint worker would like write down your time because they have like a, a stopwatch and they're timing, you know, what minute you get there. Um, you know, with obviously technology <laughs> advancing, it's a little more, um uh streamlined now where you have a transponder similar to like you would wear in you know a motocross or a desert race like you you have a transponder on your visor and when you go through a certain checkpoint it um it clocks your time so um there's there's basically two sections or two parts of the race um one is what they call transfer section so those are not timed or not scored so that's usually getting you from one um, test section to another. And it's usually like just regular old trail. Um, and it's not anything too um, you know, challenging or anything like that. And you don't even have to ride fast. You can kind of take your time on it. Um, but then you'll get to a checkpoint and they will leave. Um, uh, it depends on the type of enduro, but most of them are restart that enduros just, now. Can I, can I just stop you on something? Because that's something yeah. I hadn't heard before. So you're saying in these transfer sections between the special like enduro tests, you're mm -hmm. not really timed on that? No. You're, uh, no. So, so you're only going to be timed in the test sections. Exactly. Huh. Yep. So no, no one had ever um, explained that to me. I thought that you had to like haul balls <laughs> in the transfer no. sections. <laughs> huh? No. So, yeah, it's interesting, like the way, the way that, um, Enduros have kind of evolved over the years, you used to be timed on transfer sections, but it wasn't timed on speed. It was more so timed on, like you had to stay on your minute. So there was an expected time that like row 31 was supposed to get to this checkpoint and you had to ride, like they would have, um, mile per hour, um, limits on each transfer section huh. and you would have to ride that certain miles per hour to stay on your minute 
So we used to have to have like computers, like everybody who rode Enduros had a trail computer. Um, and it would tell you, like some of them were, you know, if you got the more expensive ones, they would tell you like speed up or slow down. They have like an up arrow or a down arrow to show like you're going too fast, you're going too slow to stay on your minute. Huh. Um, and you would get penalized if you got there too early. Um, but I haven't ridden an Enduro like that in, I don't know, since I was a teenager. So those are kind of in the past, but now it's, yeah, you're just timed on those special tests. So when you get to the checkpoint, they clock you in. When you get to the next checkpoint, they clock you out. Um, and then at the end of the race, you know, your test sections are just combined into one, you know, one time. Um, and then whoever in your class or in, in your group, um, has the fastest time, then you're, you're ranked and scored on that. So you're not actually like, you know, it's not bar to bar racing. You're not like racing the guy next to you. You're just racing time. That's pretty cool. That that's the best, one of the best explanations I've heard of it. So thank you for that. I yeah. I, le- I learned something there. <laughs> yeah, they're pretty cool. They've evolved a lot. And even now, like they are, there's different types. So there's like um, different formats, I think is what they call it. So a restart enduros is what, um, I just explained. So when you get to the next start of a test, um, you're, you have to wait until it's time for your row, um, to leave. So again, you're, you know, you're kind of waiting for, for, um, for your row to leave on a certain minute. Um, but then there's a newer format, um, where you are, um, what is it called? I'm blanking on the word right now. Um, I just wrote it. That's what Shady Burrow was, the, what the format was called. But it, when you get to the next checkpoint, um, that you can just leave whenever you want. So you can take a break if you want, um, you know, refuel, get some water, food or whatever, um, and wait a little bit. Or if you're just ready to ride, you can just keep going once you get to the next check. Huh. That's very interesting. I just, yeah. that's, that, uh, sounds like right up my alley. So the, one of the nice things, like listening to you talk about that is it, it feels like it might be a little bit less pressure when you see, mm-hmm. when you see some of these desert races or the, they call them like, you know, these bombs out through the desert where you've got a hundred bikes and it's like a cult, like a dead engine start or whatever. And everyone, yeah. like they, I don't know, shoot a gun or throw a flag or something like that. And then a hundred or 200 guys are starting their bikes and then just bombing through the desert yeah. and just funneling like a hundred guys wide funneling down into some <laughs> single track. That's like a mile out or whatever. Um, that's freaking scary. I mean, I don't care yeah, who you is. are. That, that is just insane. Whereas what you're talking about with these, uh, Enduros is, you know, you're going to everybody, you're going to have groups of four that leave every minute. And so the, mm-hmm. you know, at the very worst, you're going to be, you know, racing with these four guys, but are you even racing them? Because you just have to get to the first check within a, you know, a certain amount of time and then you do your special test against them. So yeah, it yeah. sounds, it sounds really interesting because you're racing against the clock and you're racing against yourself, um, which is cool. That, that would uh, yeah. definitely be something that interests me for sure. It is cool. And one thing I like about it, you know, as opposed to like those, those desert races that you're talking about is, um, you don't even know how you're doing until the end of the race. You know, you get back to your truck or your camper or whatever. And you're like, you can like, you used to just have to wait until all the scorecards got back and you go like, look on this board and they would all be pinned up. Now you can like look on, you know, depending on what, um, what, you know, product they're using to score the race. You can just look it up on your phone and see how you did. 
Um, so that's another part that I like too, is like, you know, I think that's another part of the mental game is like, you're, you know, you're making mistakes throughout the race. Um, and you're, you have the potential to just like, be like, crap, I'm doing terrible, you know? Um, but you really don't know how you're doing. So I like that too. It's like, um, it really is a race against yourself because you have no idea who's in your class or who's not in your class. Um, so you're just, you're racing, doing the best you can. Um, and one thing I've learned too about Enduros is it's not really about how fast you can go. It's about, um, how many mistakes you can avoid. Um, and I think that's, that's what allows you to do like the times that I've like tried to ride technically sound and be, you know, um, breathe and try not to get arm pump and things like that, um, is the times that I've done better rather than just trying to race as fast as I possibly can. I usually make a ton of mistakes and not finish as well. How long are these tests usually like, like, and maybe, maybe it varies, but in your experience of riding these things at one of these special tests or these enduro tests, does this last, you know, two minutes, 10 minutes, 15 minutes, what is, or does it just vary all over the place? Yeah, it's, um, it, it really does vary based on the terrain and the race and how they set it up. Um, but usually they're anywhere from like, um, two or three miles up to 12 to 14 miles, somewhere around there. Um, and you'll have a mix of both like longer tests and shorter tests in the same race. Um, so, you know, that can take anywhere from, um, I've seen, you know, tests get done in six minutes, you know, you're racing for six minutes. Um, and I've seen some be as long as 45 minutes. So it just, it just depends on, you know, that section of trail, how technical it is, how, you know, difficult it is. If you, sometimes you get in a more technical section and you get in a bottleneck and you're having to navigate people, you know, and that slows your time down. So, um, so yeah, it just depends on the race and the terrain. Yeah. That's pretty interesting. I mean, uh, over the years, and I've, like I said, at the beginning of the podcast, I I've taken a lot of heat for not racing. Um, (laughs) so I, I can see a ton of reasons why people do race and, and some really good virtues about doing it, uh, being able to get out, uh, having something planned on the schedule and having a goal to work towards, and then being able to go into some of these places that you would never be able to ride ever before. Um, the main things that have kind of kept me out of the racing scene are number one, I'm an introvert. I didn't even realize this until later in life, the last few years, but I, I don't, I don't love crowds. I typically speaking, what happens with me is I, I see a bunch of people moving one way and, and then I just typically go the other way. That's just how I've been in my life. Um, and so that, that's, that's a, been a, a hurdling and like a stumbling block for me. Um, and then just being, you know, going and being in the same place of a hundred or 500 or different, you know, these different riders. That's one of the biggest reasons that's kept me from doing desert races is just all the people and all the dust. But I feel like what you're explaining, what you're describing with these Enduros, it would be definitely mitigated. You wouldn't be as big of a, as big of a dust issue. You know, Mm -hmm. I mean, I, I ride in groups of anywhere from two to five, you know, sometimes eight people and man, it out here in the West, it can get pretty dang dusty. Um, yeah. Even if you're just following one bike, you can come back and you've, you've inhaled like a pound of dirt, you know? So, and then I see some of these desert races or, or whatever, where guys are just, it's just, you can't see the entire time. You're just sucking dust the entire time. And that, 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 it doesn't sound fun to me, 
but I feel yeah. like this enduro format would would definitely mitigate mitigate some of that. And then another yeah. reason why I've been hesitant to race, and, and I want to get your take on this because this is mm-hmm. something that I think you'd have a unique perspective on. Um, I feel like one of the reasons why I haven't had as many injuries as maybe a lot of people is I, I don't, I don't push super hard. It seems like if you're in a race situation, you've got a little bit extra pressure on yourself. Maybe you're bar to bar with somebody, or maybe you really, you've worked on this, you know, skill or this thing for so long, and now you're going to push yourself maybe a little bit out of your comfort zone. And while I do agree that in order for us to grow, we have to, we have to ride on the edge you know, um, but what, what do you, if you, I feel like if you're, the more you're racing, the more probability that you're going to push hard enough where you're going to get, to get injured. Um, what are some of your thoughts on that? Because that, that's a, a real concern that I've had throughout the years is look, I'm a father of four kids. I'm a business owner. I'm all these things. I have people depending mm-hmm. on me. Um, what would it be selfish if I'm going out there, you know, trying to win some racing series and I'm pushing, pushing, pushing all the time. And I, I crash and I break collarbones or ankles or legs or whatever arms. What are your thoughts on that? Do you think that people can get into that situation where they push too hard and they start to get injured or what's your, been your feeling on that? Yes. I, you know, I've raced a lot since, like I said, since I was 10 years old. Um, I've injured myself, um, you know, quite a bit. Um, but I will say most of that has been not in a race setting. Um, some of that was just being a teenager, you know, yeah. and I played sports too. And, you know, I just didn't know my limits as well as I do now. Um, but, um, yeah, I mean, every single race, um, I see guys, um, end up in an ambulance or, you know, worse, like being life flighted out. Like it does happen. And that's the risk you have to take into account when you're deciding if you want to race one of these or not. Um, it, it also depends on the race, you know, some have more risk and higher stakes involved where the, the trails, you know, more technical exposure, things like that. Um, but, you know, I do think there is something to be said about, um, and I, I've cut back on my racing quite a bit. Um, I used to like, um, you know, when I had more time as a teenager and in college, like I would race, try to race all, the whole series and, you know, score points and place and things like that. Now it's like, I, like you said, I'm, I'm a, a dad and a husband and I, I have a job and responsibilities and things that, um, I have to take into account too. So now I just kind of pick my favorite races. I've done enough at this point where I know which ones um, I'm going to enjoy with the exception of Shady Burrow. That was a new one for me. Um, and I probably won't ride it again. <laughs> um, but uh, I now I have the luxury of kind of just picking which areas I like to race the most. And I just do those. And and it's more fun for me. And yeah, you you I mean, I say that. And once you get out there, you're like, you're like, okay, I want to do good. And I want to. I want to place well. I want to ride fast. Um, Cause you just want like part of the, part of it too, is like um, the, the competition aspect of it, where you want to see how you stack up against other people, um, which is always fun. But, um, but yeah, the risk of injury is, is definitely always there. And I think that's why I also said, you know, now I think I know my limits better and I know what makes you faster. And that sometimes is 
smoother, riding smoother rather than faster and avoiding mistakes um, rather than riding on the edge and making a big mistake. And that's probably also a reason why I don't do like hair scrambles in desert races where there's, there's a bunch here in New Mexico that I could ride and I thought about it and maybe I will one day, but that's why I like enduros is you can kind of pace yourself. You're not balls to the wall, like the whole time. There's not like the dead engine start, you know? So there's it, for me, it takes some of that risk factor away. Um, that makes me want to like keep doing it, you know? Yeah. One of my son's friends, uh, has recently started desert racing and, it's funny because my, my son goes riding with this kid quite a bit and they're just, you know, doing trail riding and messing around and he doesn't mm-hmm. crash a lot, but then he goes and enters these uh, desert races and he's crashing four or five times in a race. And yeah. I was talking to my son about it and I'm like, not only do I not remember the last time I crashed, like I tip over, I'll be in like some enduro yeah. situation or whatever and I'll tip the bike kind of off of a ledge or whatever. Um, but I don't even count that as crashing. I'm like, well, I dumped the bike. Crashing, I yeah. feel like, is when you're moving at speed and you get out of control and like crash. And I'm like, I can't even remember yeah. the last time I did that, let alone mm-hmm. five times. And I've never crashed five times in a ride. The only I've crashed one <laughs> time in a ride. And I can't even remember when it was because you kind of mm-hmm. know what your limits are. And so that, yeah. but they're, they're young too. Cause these are, these are teenagers kind of like what you're talking about. And as we get older, we start to realize what our limits are. And we realize, Hey, I'm not going to be, I'm not going to make a living riding this motorcycle. This is all just for fun. And I feel like if yeah. we, if I feel like that's a good way to look at any sport, whether it's racing or, you know, golf or tennis or, you know, softball, you know, co-ed softball, just realizing let's, let's take this for what it is. Let's have fun. Let's make sure that we don't, you know, let's make sure that we don't get injured, you know, or at least give, yeah. give as much of, uh, take as much preparation as we can to not, um, to, to, to get, to get injured and make sure that we have as much fun as possible. So maybe we can kind of transition to like maybe tips. If there's somebody out there listening to this that wants to get into racing for the first time, <clears throat> Kyle right here. So <laughs> what, what are some of the things that you'd want to think about? Like maybe what are some of the rules or regulations? Do you need to be involved? You need to, you know, sign up with some race organizations. What does fitness look like? You know, bike preparation types of bikes that might be good. Can we kind of transition into that a little bit? Yeah, for sure. So, um, yeah, I, w- I would say the main thing is know what type of race you want to do and what you're getting into. Um, usually they used to not be very good, but race series have, you know, their websites have gotten better. Um, so usually you can find like their rules on the website. Um, you just, you know, Google your, your local enduro series or hair scrambles or whatever you're wanting to do um, and really familiarize yourself with the rules. If you obviously, if you know someone who does those races, talking to someone personally and asking their advice is is um, the best option. But if you're just kind of going in blind, I would say you know go to their website, gather as much information as you can, make sure you're you know they usually have some tips on like what to bring, what to do to, to kind of prep yourself. But um, you know, I would say that do do the research on on the type of race you want to do. Um, secondly, I would say the, the next most important thing is bike prep um so for me riding enduros um i will never run anything other than bib mooses um because you can't i mean if you get a flat in a race like your day's over and you just spent all that time and all that money and work getting out to the race and then 
one puncture and your day's over. Um, and, and if you're in a test section, you don't have time to fix it, you know, um, or I guess you can, but you know, your, your day is, is pretty much over at that point. So, um, if you're going to ride an enduro or I would even say desert race or hair scramble, um, you know, get bib mooses. That's, that's the number one thing. Um, it's a little bit expensive up front. It's, it's a heck of a time getting them in your tire. Um, but it's, <laughs> that's it's the worst part. The worst part is installing oh my it. Gosh. I just put some in my new bike, um, last week and it's, yeah, it's not fun. Um, but, uh, but yeah, so I would say that's the biggest thing. Um, another thing too is, is, um, you know, hand guards that is, is a must. You're going to be, whether you're in the desert or not, like you're going to be hitting some, something <laughs> with, uh, with your hands and your levers. And so you want to make sure and protect those. Um, I've ridden both flag style hand guards and wraparounds. Um, I prefer the wraparounds because like I, in an enduro once I, you know, dumped it over in a corner and my, my, uh, they were just like the KTM stock flag hand guards and they broke. So I was like, okay, I think I need to go back to the, to the wraparound. So that's what I prefer. Um, I would say other things are like you normally in an enduro, you don't need like an, an oversized gas tank. Um, cause like I said, they do have gas stops, um, usually between like 30 and 40 miles. Um, so you, you don't normally need that, but make sure you, you bring extra gas to the race. Um, cause you will need it on, um, on your gas stop. Um, usually they, they require spark arresters. So, um, I would say if you don't have a spark arrestor. That's another important thing. They won't even, a lot of races will test your spark arrestor to make sure, you know, it's, um, in compliance before they'll even allow you to race. So definitely make sure that's on before you go or you're, you'll waste your weekend. Um, you know, other things are kind of secondary. Those are the main things like obviously protective parts. You have a ton of videos and stuff on this that you, it's basically the same stuff like skid plates, um, you know, disc covers, um, you know, maybe I don't, I don't run radiator guards, but you might, may want those as well. Um, just stuff like that that you, you may want to put on just for some extra protection. Um, so that's bike prep. I would say fitness. Um, you know, I, I used to think this was a lot more important. Um, now I think the, the fitness for me is more mental. Like I do work out and I ride mountain bikes and I, I try to stay fit. Um, and leading up to a race, I'll do, you know, more than I usually do to try to, um, uh, get in better shape. But, um, the, the big things for me have been once you get to the race, like, um, or leading up to the race, hydration is a big one. You know, it's like, like I, I compared Enduro to a marathon, like you don't want to go into race weekend being dehydrated or eating like crap. Like you want to eat clean leading up to the race, um, hydrate really well, like three days in advance, start, you know, chugging water, taking electrolytes, stuff like that. Um, because, your body works off of the previous day's hydration. So you want to make sure that you're doing that leading up to the race. That's the worst thing is, is getting dehydrated in a race. And I've done that before. Um, and then um, like once you, once you're actually racing, I would say the biggest thing is like breathing, remembering to breathe. There's so many times where like I forget to breathe and I pump up and I get tight and my heart rate goes up. Um, so that's helped me a ton. It's just like, remembering to take like breaths 
through my nose that, that prevents arm pump prevents you from cramping up those kinds of things. Um, but other, other than that, like I'm not a fitness expert, I'm not going to tell anybody how to get fit. Um, but I just try to do some weights and some cardio of some sort, you know, all the time, but especially leading up to the race, you want to make sure that you're, you know, you're not coming straight off the couch. Um, you know, eating, eating pizza every day. So that's kind of the baseline stuff. Um, as far as your bike goes, um, like the type of bike, if you're wanting to get into enduros, um, you know, it just depends on your preference. I've ridden both four stroke and two stroke, um, in enduros and I've liked them both for different reasons. Um, I rode my four stroke in Colorado and I wish I had had a two stroke <laughs> because it was so technical, um, and rocky. Um, but there's been races in Texas where, um, I was on my four stroke and I was super grateful I did because most of it was, it was more like a desert race where it was like more fast and wide open and like more flowy turns where I was like, you know, this suits the four stroke really well. Um, so I recently got a YZ250X. Um, so that's going to be my new race bike and I haven't raced it yet, but I'm excited to, to see how it does. I think two strokes are probably more common when you go to a race. Um, but I'm, I'm actually seeing like a resurgence of four strokes lately. So you can, you can ride anything. I mean, KTMs and the European bikes have their trail bikes, um, pretty dialed. If you get, you know, um, a trail specific bike, you're probably going to be okay. If you do kind of the, the spark arrestor and handguard thing I was talking about, um, but, uh, but yeah, other than that, it's up to, up to your preference. So I think that covers everything. Yeah. You know, <clears throat> something you said in there, I just wanted to, to reiterate, you were talking about fitness and cardio versus like weights and things. So here's been my experience. I started doing more cardio. I got a rowing machine back in, I don't know, it was 2015, 2016 or something. And I, I rode a lot on that. Um, I did millions of meters, like almost six million meters hard because I have another machine too. Um, and so it was hard to know, but I did at least 4 million meters on the rowing machine, if not five. And, and that was really good. And it helped to get my cardiovascular in shit, you know, up to snuff. And I did get faster. I had better endurance and things on the bike. Um, well then this year, uh, the goal was to gain some muscle. I just wanted to gain some muscle, uh, throughout my body. And so I've just been doing, I got one of these tonal machines. You've probably seen them on TV. It's, it's I'm like, I'm either got to go to the gym or I'm going to get this home gym or whatever. So I got this tonal, yeah. um, hooks on the wall or whatever. And then you have a subscription and you can enroll in all these different programs. So this year I've been using that machine and I have actually put on 10 pounds of muscle. It's been actually great body, body fat actually I think came down and I wear a chest strap. And so I know that I spike my heart rate like crazy on that thing. Um, in mm -hmm. these different programs. Well, the reason why I bring it up is because, um, I just recently did a trail, a local trail here. Um, it's Ben Loman peak it, for some of you guys that know what that is. Well, there's a section as you're climbing that thing, there's a section at the top where it's kind of like it, there's one, you can either do a bunch of switchbacks at the very, very top, or you can go up this one little section uh, that's just mm -hmm. kind of straight up and it's rocky and whatever. And there's a stupid little spot up there that I had never actually cleaned. I'd never, like I, I would get up to that spot and then we would stop and I would catch my breath and make sure that my heart rate was down. And then I would try to do this like little enduro section at the end. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah. And I had never been able to, I was always getting hung up on this certain section and the, and I would just be 
like I'd get the bike hung up in two different spots. I'd taken 254 or 250. I'd taken a lot of different bikes up there and I'd never cleaned it. And I'd always just gotten to that spot and stopped and got my heart rate down and then tried to finish it. And by the time I get up to the top, you know, heart is beating out of my chest. Well, I go up there a couple of weeks ago and uh, I didn't even stop because I had been focusing on strength training this year. I get to that. I get to that spot where I normally would stop and wait for two minutes for my heart rate to come down and then go get hung up. <laughs> this time yeah. I got to that point. I could tell because I've been paying attention to what my heart feels like. I'm like, I'm not actually that gassed. I'm not that tired. And I just rode right through it. Did it did better than I've ever done, ever done. Got to the very top where you kind of you know, get off the bike and you can kind of go up to the top and just look over this peak. You can sign a book if you want. Um, there's like a little log book up there and I got up there and I was like, holy crap. Like that was the easiest I've ever climbed this whole section. And I've ridden less this year than I have in a lot of years. Cause I've had a lot of personal issues going on. And so I'm, I'm sitting there going, I've ridden less my cardiovascular. I haven't rode. I haven't done like any grueling rowing machine workouts for like eight months, maybe nine months, 10 months. And I've been riding less, but because I focused more on the weights this year, um, I did better in that section than ever before. And it was a really big, it was, it meant a lot to me because I'm like, oh, dang, I, I think I'm doing the right thing. So I think there needs to be a good mix of cardio versus weights, depending on what your body composition is. And I'm just, I have a smaller frame guy and I'm moving these bikes around there, 250 pounds. And I was mm -hmm. 160 pounds. Um, and now I'm 170 pounds and it's 10, it's probably more like 13 pounds of muscle. Cause I think I dropped a little bit of weight and then put it back on. So mm -hmm. I spent 10 months putting on 10 pounds of muscle and uh, that has made a little bit of a difference in my riding. And so I think what everybody needs to kind of look at where they're at, look at their body composition, look at their age and make, you know, make a decision. Do you need to cut some weight? Do you need to gain some weight? And for me, I feel like I felt like I needed to gain some muscle weight in order to feel better on the bike and maybe use a little bit less energy. So that's been kind of cool this year. Yeah, that's awesome. It's definitely both, right? Like, I think you need like the strength training and the cardio. Um, but I, I actually saw a post on this the other day. Do you follow enduro method? I don't. Uh -uh. Um, okay. It's like a enduro like training, um, uh, program. I think they have a gym, but then they also do like some online training stuff as well. Um, I recently came across, um, enduro method they i subscribed to their email i think it was in their email they talked about muscular endurance um and i think that's exactly what you're talking about where it's like when your your strength base meets like your cardio fitness level um there's that's kind of like the sweet spot is where if you're just doing cardio like you're going to wear out so fast on a dirt bike because like you said they're 250 pound machines I think a lot of people underestimate that, that you just kind of sit down and twist the throttle, but there's so, I mean, when you finish a, a like a long ride, your whole freaking body is sore, like muscles you didn't even know you had. Right. And so like you're using everything you have to muscle that bike around. So you can't just do cardio. You can't just be, you know, in the gym lifting heavy weights all the time. I feel like there's, there's a good balance. And like I said, I'm not a, I'm not like a personal trainer, but I, I think you hit the nail on the head that like, when you realize that was a need that your body had to get stronger, you, you can tell a difference on a bike for sure. Yeah. Cause I would go riding with different people and you know, we would do the same types of trails. And I would, I just felt like I was more gassed than they were. And mm -hmm. I was trying to figure out like, what's the main difference. And 
most of these people were just stronger than me. You know, they had bigger yeah. frames, more muscle hanging off them. Not that they're super muscle bound, but I mean, if I'm 160 and you're 190 and you're, mm-hmm. and you're not like fat, that means you've got, you know, a lot of extra muscle and that's going to make it so that it's easier for you to do these things. And so if I can get, you know, 30% stronger, and I definitely think that I am, you know, mm-hmm. maybe now this year, 30% stronger than what I was before and gaining 10 pounds or something. I feel like that's a, that, that's been a good thing and it's, it's motivating for me and I want to continue to just do a little bit more, you know, maybe gain another five, six, seven pounds of muscle and just see how that feels. Um, and just pay attention to my body and what, what it wants to do and, yeah. and how I want to, how I want to look and feel. And I think it, so yeah. much of it is mental too. So, mm-hmm. I mean, maybe we can, as we kind of like wrap things up here, what are some of the you know, lessons or benefits that you've seen maybe even mentally, um, mentally or physically from the different, uh, types of racing that you've done throughout the years? Yeah. So, um, yeah, if I told you the, the story about my, my first enduro on an XR 100, you'd be like, well, why did you keep racing? You know, <laughs> terrible way to start. And I think that's exactly it is like you, you challenge yourself realize like you know how you can improve or what your limits are and it's almost like addicting because you want to go out and see if you can better yourself and that's been that's been like the the most important thing for me is racing is kind of like benchmarks on where i'm at as a rider as a person um you know physically and mentally like can i better myself from the last time um and and so that's, um, and, and everybody has things that does that, that motivates them for, you know, bettering themselves. Um, it doesn't have to be racing, but for dirt bikers like you and me, like then just like you said, for you it was, um, what was it? Ben, Ben Lomond peak, Ben Lomond, yeah. Uh, ben Lomond peak. Like that was, that's, that was your like kind of benchmark to see like, yeah, it was just, can I get better? Can I clear this? Yeah. yeah. It was just one of them. It's not like a, it was just something that I'd known. It's not like a super difficult trail, but there was just like a certain section where you're at basically 10,000 feet and you've been mm-hmm. sucking wind and it was hard to get there. You might've ridden 30 miles to get there or two hours to get there. And then all of a sudden you have this little section and you're like, I have had a, I've struggled on it. So you can find those things in your life where there are different obstacles or whatever that you go to and you can use that as a benchmark over and over and over throughout the year. Sometimes they change. A lot of times some of these things get harder. I've noticed that, you know, as more you, you rode something five years ago and then more bikes have hit and they've been hitting it and it can kind of like deepen gaps (laughs) or make holes harder or take traction away. And so some of the, some of the times these sections kind of progress with us. But it is fun to be able to go back to a place and be like, this used to be hard for me, and now I can do this with ease. And, and that gives you a lot of satisfaction, you know? Yeah, it's 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 motivating, and it makes you want to get back on the bike. It makes you want to, like, um, get back in the gym. Like, um, it, yeah, it, it's a good feeling to, um, to look back and see, like, I've improved in something, you know? Um, and, and that's what racing is for me. I think also, like, it's given me some, like, just – mental fortitude and resilience um like you know every single race has a different challenge um and there was there was a race i remember where i i thought i was like after this race is over i was like i'm done racing enduro like this is it 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 was my i had reached my limit i was on i was like 14 or 15 years old i was on a crf 250 
which was the worst possible bike you could be on um, for riding an enduro. It was in Cloudcroft, New Mexico, and it poured rain the whole time. So it was just like, and it's so rocky and rooty. It was so slick. I crashed so many times and um, everybody I went there with, like my dad, one of my dad's buddies, my best friend growing up, we raced enduros. They were all like, none of them finished because they, they hurt themselves. Like they were all in, you know, stitches and broken bones and stuff. And, um, I somehow finished that race. I was super slow. Like, I think I got last and, but that was like the race for me where it was like, I remember thinking multiple times during the race, I'm done with this. I'm never racing enduros again. And then after you finish, it's like, I have to do that again. Like <laughs> I have to get better. Um, so it, it builds. How like, long, how long after though? Are we talking a couple days, a couple weeks? It was, it was a little while. Yeah. <laughs> my, my pride was, was hurt for a little while. Um, and my body, but, uh, but no, like this, I feel like for me, it's built some resilience, um, just as a person. And, um, I'm grateful for that. Like it, it's definitely a life lesson and just dirt bikes in general, like I think have, have done that for me. It's like, um, like I said, it's, it's a lot of, of, um, a lot of it's mental and, and that's been, um, huge for me. And then, um, secondly is, is like just the community that you gain. Um, you know, I'm also an introvert. Um, but I feel like the, the racing, the dirt bike racing community, um, they're just really fun to be around. Like I, I remember, um, you know, a couple months ago when I raced in Colorado, every, like, I didn't know anyone I was riding around, um, on my row or the rows in front of me or behind me. But we, by the end we had like, I, I told my wife, I think it was trauma bonding because we were all going through this <laughs> traumatic experience together. And every time we get to a checkpoint, we're like, are you quitting? It's like, nah, I don't know. Are you going to quit? It's like, I don't know. <laughs> I might keep going one more. Like, And then so we just kind of built like these bonds where we were, you know, commiserating together. But it was, um, if I didn't have that, I probably would have quit because I was like, no, nah, I, I think I'm. Yeah, you're right. I think I can do one more. I think I can do one one more test section, and and so that's a part of it for me too. It's just kind of the camaraderie that you build. Um, and like I said, with my dad, like we still race together, um, and that's been a bonding experience for us. You know, just being able to share the joy of dirt bikes with each other, um, spend that time together as as a father and son, um, out doing something fun, challenging ourselves commiserating together when it's hard and um and just just having that time together so th those would be the reasons why i think um you know i want to keep racing and things that i've learned well that's good i you've you've done as good of job as admirable admirable of a job as anyone to like convince me to to do my first race <laughs> so i think it's got to be an enduro i kept thinking like it's going to be a desert race just because it'd be terrain that i've i'm familiar with i would just let everybody go and then i would just like yeah go eat dust for four hours <laughs> <laughs> in 100 in 100 miles but like the enduro scene that sounds like more more up my alley so for sure yeah and and like like i said racing's not for everybody i, I don't think you know everybody has to race to enjoy dirt biking i totally understand your reasons for not racing um but for me it's been a lot of fun and uh and like i said i'm not the most qualified person to talk about enduros but it's been fun chatting and, and getting just uh it's always fun bench racing you know just talking about dirt bikes in general so 
Um, so yeah, let yeah. me know, Kyle. We'll, we'll go. We'll go ride an enduro together. Well, we need to. It's funny too because the other one of the other reasons I've held off so long is I took the first early years of YouTube. I was reading so many comments and I would get so many people just blasting me for not racing. And it's funny because there are some people within our sport, especially the vocal people on social media that will say that basically say, you don't know anything if you've never raced, you know? So it didn't matter. It didn't matter if I had five, six, seven, eight, ten 10 years of experience in riding dirt bikes it didn't matter that I'd owned 60, 70 different motorcycles and put, and put thousands of hours on them. You know, I could even be talking about just some handguard or whatever, which I feel like mm. I, I'm pretty, you know, qualified to talk about handguards or whatever. And they'd be like, yeah, yeah but you, you don't race. So, you know, your opinion is, in, is invalid. And I've had so much of that. It's just kind of calloused me against it. And I've yeah. had like this F you attitude. I'm like, okay, everyone wants me to race. So I'm like, the more you push me, the more I dig in my heels. But I've gotten over the last couple of years, I've kind of gotten over that, over my ego of, of that. And I'm like, I'm going to end up doing a race. And it's not because everyone's been begging me to do it. It's just because I want to try something new. It's just like in motocross. I've in the last year, a little over a year, I've gone and done several different days at a motocross track. And I've had a mm -hmm. lot of fun. And prior to that, I wasn't doing that because... A lot of it was fear, just like I don't want to get around, you know, a bunch of other riders and then I crash and then they run me over or somebody, you know, crashes right in front of me and then I hit them. And I'm like, I'm just better mm -hmm. if I stay away from my stay away from all these people. That's kind of what my mindset was. And then now I've gotten to a point in my riding where I'm like, I want to do some of these different disciplines to get different exposure and I can learn stuff every time. So I'll go out on the motocross track and I've taken, you know, a Honda and I've taken a Sherco and, and KTMs and I'm learning stuff every time in all these different disciplines. And so now I'm, I'm warming up, warming up to this idea. Like I want to maybe go do an enduro race, not because everyone else wants me to race, but because I want to have the experience of it and see what I can learn from it. And so I'm, I'm pretty, I'm warming up to that a lot. So, yeah, no, I totally get that in your position. Yeah. I totally understand. I think, um, like you said, it's always fun to experience something new and challenge yourself. Um, like, like for me, I feel like the next one would be to do like a hair scramble, or a desert race that is like you said it's uh, the reason i haven't is because of fear um because i i'm the same way i'll watch um you know like josh knight i'll watch his, his youtube videos where they just like you know there's these huge starts and there's hundreds of bikes and yeah that that scares the crap out of me but that probably would be good to stretch myself a little bit and, yeah. and learn and, and ride something ride a different discipline so well what yeah, i think it's always fun to progress to the next thing yeah one of the one of the best um i have a buddy named scott we haven't talked for a minute but he when he gave me a good reason for wanting to do an enduro he's like i mean a a desert race he's like it's like doing a big trail ride that you don't have to think anything of he's like the the course is set up and they have mm -hmm. arrows pointing where you're supposed to go and he's like and they have obstacles marked cuz you mentioned at the beginning you don't you don't get to do a, like a pre-run of the race and he's like they will have obstacles marked for you so you see these signs and it's like if it's you know a, a one i don't know what it is but it's like if it's a minor obstacle there'll be one little danger sign if it's a more of an obstacle there'll be two and then there might be three. And so he's like, you, you see these things coming up. And so, you know, like, oh crap, I better gear down, slow down, slow down, slow down, get on the binders um, because they've yep. marked out some of these dangers. Um, whereas if you're just on a regular trail ride, you don't really know what's coming up. Yeah. And so yep. he's like, you know, so there are some good reasons to do these different things. And eventually I will end up doing an enduro and I'll do a desert race and who knows, maybe a hair scramble. I, I don't know if I'll ever do a motocross race, but you know, you never know. So. 
Yeah. Well, well thank you. Fun. Thank you so much for joining me. This has been really, really helpful. And I'm sure that a lot of the listeners have like learned some stuff and it's just fun. It's fun to catch up with you and get your perspective on this stuff. Definitely. It's been fun. I really appreciate you. Uh, yeah. Having me on and um, yeah, it's all, it's always fun to chat dirt bikes. So um, anytime I get to do that, I'm, I'm, I'm jumping at the opportunity. Awesome. Okay. Thanks, Dustin. All right. All right we'll thanks, talk to you later. Bye.